yeah, first booking, we pretty much, I think it almost cost us money by the, <laughs> by the time of it. We, the idea was we, yeah, so we, we listed it on Airbnb within, I think, the first night of putting it on Airbnb. Um, we got our booking for like that weekend. So and, like, um, on, on like the Wednesday or something that you would have. Yeah, thought. exactly. Like it was crazy how quickly it all happened for us. And, and again, both working full time. I, you know, I'd work on the Friday, Saturday. Um, so anyway, that's what we did. We packed up, um, chucked everything in the garage pretty much and locked that up and separated it. We, we slept, we slept in the back of our car, man. <laughs> on Hastings point for the first night. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah it was it was very interesting so we, we slept yeah. the first night Hastings Point I had to go to work the next day on Saturday to go and do like I think it was like five or six open homes and then the next after that I was just like I'm not doing that again so we ended up driving to Coffs Harbour um, and we stayed with Eden's mom for the night and then came back like Sunday morning early yeah just literally had to start all over again like unpack the garage clean the house again and get ready for work on on monday welcome to more than money with your host ross murray this episode of more than money is brought to you by more time financial a financial planning company who are on a mission to help young australians make smarter decisions with money by providing real life financial advice coaching and financial education hello it's your host ross murray welcome to more than money This is a podcast for people who like to do things a little bit differently. Those who aren't willing to settle for normal or what society expects of them. On this podcast, I have real conversations about lifestyle, money and business. Sometimes I share financial education and informational episodes to help you make smarter decisions with money, as well as guest interviews with young business owners and young entrepreneurs just like this episode today. So if you're new here, please consider subscribing. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Firstly, for the regular listeners of the show, I need to apologize for the gap in between this episode and the last episode. It's something that I've been working on with my team and I am pleased to say that we will be back to our weekly schedule from this week's episode onwards. So very excited for that. So stay tuned for some awesome episodes coming up. In today's episode, I have a guest interview, which I'm very, very excited about. Craig Hill from Housett Property Management, who, as you'll hear on this episode, owns and operates an Airbnb management business, as well as two successful Airbnb properties on the northern coast of New South Wales. The story of how Craig and his partner Eden got started with their own Airbnb journey and now turning it into a successful business is one that I knew I had to share and something that I feel a lot of people are going to get value out of. Throughout this episode, we discuss some of the lessons that he has learned in running his own Airbnb property, as well as how he's able to take this passion for property that he has and turn it into the business that he has today, which is Housett Property Management. We also discuss some of the tips and tricks that you need to know if running an Airbnb or owning an Airbnb property is something that you're interested in. Some of the the little things you need to know, such as taking great photography, um, the importance of having a super clean property, as well as the importance of reviews and customer service. So stay tuned for this week's episode with Craig Hill from Housett Property Management. Kick things off, when someone asks you what you do for work or what you do for a living, what do you, what do you tell them? I'm pretty much straightforward. It's, I, I have a, um, a rental role of, of holiday accommodation, boutique holiday accommodation. Um, we try and aim, I suppose, for the higher end of the market, I suppose. So boutique is the key word there, I think. Yeah. And do you, do you tell them that like exclusively on Airbnb? Um, it's, it's quite an interesting, yeah. So that's, that's quite a common question, actually. A lot of people do ask that. We do use solely Airbnb. And the reason, there's a number of reasons. Um, but the main one being is they handle all transactions. So there's no overheads for us. So we're able to keep our fees lower, not having to have trust accounting and, and all the rest of it involved where Airbnb have a, an accounting system in place that owners and myself can we create our payment splits. So yeah. I had a percentage and then when those bookings come in, those, those payments just go to the designated accounts at the designated split. So that's one of the main reasons. It really simplifies it for me. Um, yeah. And then it also 
you know, it keeps my costs down um, from that end. So it allows me to be a little bit more competitive with my pricing. Um, the second of all is the demographic and the target market that Airbnb attract. Um, it allows us to screen our guests. So we're making sure we're getting the, the right clientele into the right property, um, where it's not just an instant book where you would per se, like if you wanted to book a hotel on booking.com, you can book it instantly regardless you know, the way we do it, at least we get to screen who comes in and how many people, if they, you know, going to abide by our rules, um, they have a review system in place. So all those little things that Airbnb contribute makes it an easier, you know, process for us. So obviously we've known each other, not really sure how long now, but a couple of years. I think it'd be really interesting to know a bit of your backgrounds, how this all kind of got started. So what, what were you doing? Obviously, hopefully everyone picks up the accent that you were born in South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so what, like maybe just a summary, but what's been your kind of your resume or your, your work history since? All right, well, look, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I guess just in a nutshell for me, you know, when I left school, academics was never really my my strong suit. It wasn't something that, you know, I, I look, I went and tried, I went and studied for a year. I didn't get very far, you know. From, so from early on, I had, I had to kind of maybe look at other options for myself. So that's when I went and I ended up becoming a dive instructor. Dive instructor led me into working on boats um, in the, you know, all over the world, really. I used it to travel, essentially. Yep. You know, that's when I got onto, you know, working on private islands in the Seychelles. From the Seychelles, um, I, you know, a big um, luxury super yacht sailed in. I had a couple of mates on there. Um, they were looking for a dive instructor. You know, I jumped on board from there pretty much. That's where I met Eden, my wife, who's Australian. And we did probably about six years together on the, on the super yachts, uh, which was great. You know, like it kind of, it was, it was always a means to an end for me, but it put us in a position. So when we did get to Australia, we were, you know, I suppose financially, financially more set up than possibly we, that we would have been if we were, slogging away here in Australia, you know, and means for us, I mean, we just had that deposit for our property, for example. And how, how so, old were you when you, when you guys finished up on the yachts? I would have been 31, 31. So yeah, but I started quite late, yeah. um, you know, in comparison to a lot of other people. That's why I think I didn't last as long. Um, a lot of guys younger than me on the boats were in charge of stuff. So I did it where I'd come from a management role, but I struggled with taking orders from a 25-year-old being 30 <laughs> for a little bit. Naturally, yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of refused to sort of, again, study. Um, you know, in, in that yachting industry, people expect you to you get a job, but you progress through the boat by doing courses and such. And again, I've always been, you know, I, I try to avoid that as much as I can. I've never, it's just never been something I enjoy doing, studying, unless it's something I find interesting. That kind of led to us then landing here in Australia about five years ago. And just, yeah. just jump back to the boats. Like, it, yeah, I feel like, and we spoke about this before, but that being a bit more intentional about the reason you were there. Whereas I feel like maybe it's, maybe it was the age thing that a lot of younger people go on these boats and live it up, make good money, but then obviously blow it all. Oh, look, definitely. Look, I think it is. I mean, I, I won't lie. Like, I mean, my first, our first year on board, um, one of the boats when we, when we resigned and, and, you know, I took everything I'd earned in that year and traveled Thailand and Bali for, for nine months. And yeah. it was, it gave me that opportunity at 26 to do that and like not have a care in the world around it. You know, it was great. It was fantastic. But then, yeah, you do start to realize that. And unfortunately, I think it's quite a common thing in the industry on yachting is guys realize it a little bit too late. And if, if you could, you know, you don't need 12 pairs of sunglasses. And I, I know that sounds silly, but that's what people do. You know, yeah. like they, all the materialistic things that people buy, like I did, you know, and you soon realize when, when, you know, that horizon starts coming where you're like, geez, you know, I'm going to be, you know, setting up shop at, you know, there's no more, there's a mortgage, there's rent, there's car repayments, you know, and you, you, then you just generally people bank like the last two years where they could have been banking the last seven, you know? So that's generally in a nutshell, I guess, though not everyone's like that, but I do see it quite a lot. So then, yeah, you arrived, arrived in Australia and did you guys have a, 
a bit of an idea or plan of, of what, what you're going to yeah. do? I, I, look, I mean, I suppose also I was, we were very, fairly lucky. Eden, obviously being a school teacher, kind of fell straight into work as soon as we landed. So that made life easier for me. It wasn't necessarily that, you know, well, it was still tough, but it gave me options to take, excuse me, take time to, to find out what exactly it was that I wanted to do. So when I first landed in Oz and I was working for back on boats, polishing boats, like, you know, for, for next to nothing, uh, driving an hour up to Coomera and, um, you know, it, but it was a means to, again, it was a means to an end. It was for just waiting for me to find something, you know, like a foot in the door and what I wanted to do. And that was obviously real estate for me was, um, was the game that I was very interested in and have been interested in for a long time. And um, so while I was sitting, Mark, that was then again, the first time I've actually sat down and studied to try and get something was when I, I had to, um, and that was to get my real estate license. So how long did you end up? I was trying to think about this, but how long were you a real estate agent for? Um, so I did it at uh, for two years. As um, So I got taken on by an agency as the principal's they call it they, they call me like the selling agent really so I wasn't really in charge of trying to list property I was just selling his listings that he was um that he was listing obviously and that was sort of my job for the first year um and then I kind of wanted to you know so I approached him in that time too and I was like look you know I want I want to kind of go on my own I don't want to just be on riding your tailcoats um so that's when I progressed into and I did my own thing within the agency um for the next year and was that mo- like moving to be like the the primary agent like mm, yeah so it was just so still working under the actual banner of the agency but just listing and selling my own properties as opposed to just selling his it was just, yeah for me it was it was a no-brainer. I didn't want to just be sort of riding someone's tailcoats. It's just a progression thing, I guess, and that's what I wanted to do. And that's when I suppose while we were doing all of that, that is actually when we first realized that. So we had just bought our first place. Um, obviously, that's a big thing for for me coming when we landed in Australia. We wanted to buy a property almost straight away. Yeah. Um, but it proves it's proves it proves to be difficult. You know, the banks and lending criteria around all of that. You know, we we had. We had to wait quite a bit. You know, we both all needed to be permanent, permanent, um, permanently employed. Um, I had no credit history or anything like that here in Australia. So it was kind of a waiting game. And then luckily within six months, we kind of had our foot in the door. And that's when we sort of bought our first, our first property, which is, I suppose, has been the capitalist for the rest of everything. That's where it all started for us, really. It was... The first, so the first property being the Cabot Cottage. Well, what, yeah, Cabot Cottage. What, what now is the Cabot Cottage, obviously. Which is, yeah, then. that's right. So, yeah, it was that, so that's where I suppose the whole Airbnb journey started for us. We bought this place, oh, it must have been March 2016, I think it was, when we settled and finally got the keys for it. And it, it wasn't anything pretty <laughs> by, by any stretch, but it's what we could afford or what we thought we could afford at that time. Yeah, so then we, we started getting stuck into it and we just, we started renovating it. And I was going to say, when you were like first looking at that, like what was your experience with Airbnb? So it was 2016, like I'm not sure exactly when Airbnb started. Pretty much zero, nothing. Uh, maybe, maybe I'd used the platform once or twice to book accommodation while traveling and overseas and that, but from a hosting perspective, nothing. I had never seen the back end of, of airbnb from a host um at all so that was pretty much the start of it really but yeah like i mean going yeah so that that was pretty much yeah the starting point for us on on airbnb and so obviously when you guys bought that place that the capital cottage now is did you ever think about airbnb in it or was it just you're buying no. it to, to live in it like it was just going to be yeah your home. yeah yeah absolutely look i mean it was it was a place that to be honest, if you had told me, asked me four years ago, five years ago, we bought it, if this is what it would have been, I would have, I would have called you a liar for sure. There's no way that that was the expectation into it. It's kind of just snowballed, for lack of a better word, on, on how it's all progressed. So, um, you know, obviously with, well, I suppose how it actually all really started was that we had invested every cent we had into buying this place. Yeah. And then we were spending even more of that renovating it. So, it was, it was 
you know, and, and this is when reality kicked in. We were working, you know, nine to five, you know, Monday to Friday, me Saturdays, you know, and we wanted to recoup some of our investment that we had been, all, all that money that we had put into the place. So it was a matter of, you know, listing it on Airbnb and trying to recoup and, and try and get a little bit of that money back, I suppose. Do you, do you remember the first booking you guys got? Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to forget. Um, <laughs> we... We must have, I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you how long we had. Yeah, first booking, we pretty much, I think it almost cost us money by the, <laughs> by the time of it. We, the idea was we, yeah, so we, we listed it on Airbnb. Within, I think, the first night of putting it on Airbnb, um, we got our booking for like that weekend. So and, like, um, on, on like the Wednesday or something that you would have. Yeah, exactly. Like it was crazy how quickly it all happened for us and, and again, both working full time. I, you know, I'd work on the Friday, Saturday. Um, so anyway, that's what we did. We packed up, um, chucked everything in the garage, pretty much, and locked that up and separated it. We we slept we slept in the back of our car, man, <laughs> on Hastings Point for the first night. Um, and it, yeah, it was it was very interesting. So we we slept yeah. the first night Hastings Point. I had to go to work the next day on Saturday to go and do like. I think it was like five or six open homes. And then the next, after that, I was just like, I'm not doing that again. So we ended up driving to Coffs Harbour um, and we stayed with Eden's mom for the night and then came back like Sunday morning early. Yeah, just literally had to start all over again, like unpack the garage, clean the house again and get ready for work on, on Monday. But yeah, like it was very interesting first one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit crazy looking you, back at it now like obviously back then and probably you'd, you'd know more about it than me but even where you're located the cabot cottage like there's not that many places on like uh, and obviously a lot more now but 2016 yeah. would have been next to nothing oh that's it and that's why we kind of we were lucky we we had we we didn't quite know what we had stumbled on we uh, it was very few and far between places that were on airbnb um maybe a couple and then, but we couldn't believe how quickly this was just shooting off at us. Um, yeah. So that led to, you know, increasing our nightly tariff slightly. So like, oh, you know, we've only been getting 200 or like maybe I think it was like 150 bucks a night then. And we we're like, all right, let's, you know, let's see if we can keep pushing the boundaries and pushing the limit on, on how much we can earn. And um, we, we started getting that. And then at, on that same time, I don't know, man, we were crazy. And we, we decided to start another little business on the side too. So we imported and Goonie hides from Africa. So and just, just for non-African people, just those yeah, are like, like rugs. Like. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Sorry, probably, yeah. So <laughs> cow hides, really rugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we had that going on the sideline and it, it was just a crazy time, man. So like we started getting really good pricings for weekends, but we were still working full time. So and got to a point. At, at, at that stage, you were just listing on weekends. Like obviously you're still, yeah. li you're still living in the house. Yeah, that's right. So it was listing. It's still on just on weekends. So Friday and a Saturday night, guests were leaving on the Sunday. Um, and then, so like I was rushing off to, you know, pack the car up on Friday before 2 PM as a check-in, chucking all these in Goonie hards. And then we were going off to the markets on Saturday. And I was then going to open homes and Eden was sitting doing the Goonies at the markets. Um, and then pitching like we had yeah we got we were pinching a tent up in like <laughs> campsites just and living out of a tent for you know oh i can't remember how long we did tents for but it, it got crazy like <laughs> it was nice. i think i think that was the first time that that we were chatting about it that's what made like perked my interest because you said i think at that time you're paying like 30 dollars a night or something for the campground and you're yeah. rent you're renting out the unit for what 200 or 250 a night or something so yeah yeah, it started getting it nice and worthwhile for us. Like we were starting to maybe make 500, 600 bucks at that time within the first year for a weekend. You know, I had a $30 campsite, probably a $50 tent in the car. Um, and, you know, it was kind of, kind of worked. But everything, that's, and that's what I'll go back to how everything kind of progressed and snowballed for us. It was, we started doing pretty good. So we were like, you know, let's not, we went from living in the car to a tent. So we went and bought a caravan. We were like, next, <laughs> next progression. Yeah. Um, we will go. To, oh, sorry. I'm not like, oh, we, we you know, right. went and got a caravan. So, and then from the caravan, I guess that 
progressed to, you know, maybe what a year and a half later, we, we found that we, you know, we had enough equity in there and we went and bought another, another place in Kingscliff. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's kind of all just how, how it's progressed and snowballed. And um, now that is now solely run as a full-time holiday rental. That's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. As you said, like looking back four years ago, if someone had said this is what's going to happen. Oh, it's, mate, it's mental. Yeah. So look, I mean, like, again, it's, you know, yeah, from, from that, we run it now, like almost runs like like probably like a 60 to 70% occupancy rate. So um, that's fairly, that, you know, that's nice and strong from our side. But I mean, I suppose how then we rolled onto the business was I was in real estate at that time still. Uh, and in, in my, um, in the banner that I was under, what I was, un, what I was working under, they had a holiday, you know, portfolio. And I couldn't, excuse me, I couldn't believe like some of these, you know, they had like 300 odd properties on their books and they'd never seen them or, you know, it was just kind of odd. So there wasn't really like, that's the old traditional way of holiday letting. And then there, there was just, I just kind of thought there was a bit of a gap in, in, you know, fine tuning that and like making it a little bit more boutique and, and hands-on and, you know, people, people approached us in the area, like, and we're like, we wanted to do it. Like, can you give us some pointers, advice? And so that, that kind of really is where house management started from, from that. And, and it kind of just, yeah, kind of just kept growing. So before, before that, you moved into that, as you said, you, you were working full-time as a real estate agent, probably more yeah. than, more than full-time in, in yeah. no, normal nine to five cents. Yes. Um, Eden was working as a full-time school teacher. You yep. had the, the cottage that you rented on the weekends and you're still doing the selling the cow hides. Yeah, the, that well, the cow hides well. kind of fell aside pretty quickly when we started realizing like, well, I suppose for us, it's, it's work hard. We'll work smart, not hard, I guess. You know, we're, yeah. what we're having to do for those, for those hides, you know, was, was time consuming as opposed to what we were generating on, on Cabot Cottage was, yeah, was kind of a no-brainer. So that kind of just fizzled out to the side and um, recouped what we needed to, to pay ourselves back for that. Yeah. And then we just ran with, with Cabot Cottage pretty much. Uh, like I think there's a, there's a few elements to that as well of, yeah, you had a, a, nice, a nice place, you're in the right spot. There's not much competition, but I think on top of that, the amount of hard work that went into it, whereas you tell most people like, hey, pack up everything, go camping for two weeks, for two nights and rent out your house. I assume that 99% of people wouldn't do that. So like, no, nah, that's too much effort. I don't want to clean the house. I don't want strangers coming into my house. Obviously, yeah, the, the hard work you guys have put into it is... Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, that I think that is the perception. Some people do have the perception that Airbnb is easy money. Um, and look, it, I suppose it is easy money because you're not really doing anything for it at the time that you're earning the money. But the preparation leading into it and probably the, the discomfort that you might have to go through while they're there, yeah, yeah it can be. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of pressure because it also it's a funny thing. Like when you do do your Airbnb, you open yourself up to a bit of, you know, you, people reviewing your property, you know, and, and it's not clean enough or the beds weren't soft enough. So it's all those little things that, especially when you've put all that time and effort into making it look nice, it's not very, it's, it's pretty easy for someone to just take the wind out of your sails, you know, yeah. and it's, and that's where I think a lot of people We'll give it a go and then they generally phase out because it just becomes a little bit too much work and i suppose that's again where we can step in and, and kind of help that process really and yeah. with with just back on your like just on your place when you were yeah. renovating it all was that you're renovating with the intention of being able to rent it out or was it still just purely to make no. it nice, nice for you guys yeah. to live there? It was nice for us. It was. Um, look, I mean, we did a lot of cosmetic stuff, but then, you know, and we were like, cool, we, we're comfortable with this now. Like, we're happy. This is good. And then it, it kind of rolled on to like, it almost like a two-year project. So we started making a bit of money on it. We're like, oh, you know, maybe we should render it. All right. So, you know, you had that little bit of extra cash. So we, we yeah. rendered it, you know. All right. Well, let's, what about the bathroom? All right. Yeah, let's change the bathroom up a little bit. So it, it allowed us that freedom, whereas opposed if we weren't doing that, it probably nothing, not much of it would have changed, I think. I think, I don't know. But yeah, it gave us that 
little bit of cash injection, I suppose, to do those little things that we probably wouldn't have. And was there like a, a light bulb moment that you realized that, holy shit, we could like, we're actually making some, some decent money or we can potentially make some decent yeah. money off this thing? Yeah, definitely. Look, it wasn't too long ago, uh, to be honest. Like we had, because we only, it only really became a full-time rental, what, October two years ago now. Yeah. Um, which was a scary step because now you, you all of a sudden you've got another mortgage that you need to pay to. So this needs to be making you money. Um, but we kind of, I think we kind of lucked out. We got, we got it quite right. Like we knew when our settlement period was going to be on our next place. So we were, it gave us like a two month window to try and fill that calendar up as much as possible two months out. So from the day we moved out, it was generating us income. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that, that was pretty much that light bulb moment where we started looking, where we were just capitalizing on weekends when you didn't really realize how much more there was even just during the week. So we were just like, okay, you know, this potentially is going to, you know, and it's a, it's a third income, really. Yeah. So you, you moved moved out of there and moved into what's now the, the beach flat. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, yeah, so the beach flat was, it was bought... So that it's a unit in Kingscliff. It was bought purely for, well, we we kind of saw a few little things going on in Kingy. Number one, obviously, being the hospital being built here. So it was a massive, well, it was just a calling card for us, I guess. So as soon yeah. as we we saw something um, in our price range, we kind of jumped on it. And it was going to initially be just the flip. Um, so we were going to buy, renovate it, and try and just put it back on the market within a year. But again, like that, those Airbnb hooks just started getting into us. And we were like, all right, so here we go. Let's, let's start again. We'll yeah. On weekends, we'll start moving out again. Um, in, into the caravan this time? Like- yeah. So now we know. So we had the caravan, which is good. So, But we didn't really do it like we did last time with Cabo. It was more so around when we wanted it. So it wasn't yeah. like... We, it wasn't like we needed it or yeah, it was like, well, we're going away this weekend. Let's, let's put it on. If we get something great, if not, you know, we move away. It's, it's all good. Um, but by this time, I've, no, I've also had how's it was established. So okay, I, I had everything um, in place like that. So we had the cleaning teams and everything. So it, it made it a lot easier for sure. When did how's it started? What? How's it was, pretty much january two years ago no so not yeah so two two and a bit years ago um how's it kind of launched but it wasn't by any stretch like successful for probably the first six months to be fair so it you know and again that goes back to obviously like credit to eden you know she she she's you know she was keeping us afloat pretty much and and we were lucky enough we also had cabba which was still generating an income so and from that side, for me to open a business, it was a little bit easier of a decision than knowing that we still had income sort of coming in from two different avenues and, and it yeah. did then take a little bit longer for the business to get going, which relieved pressure from for me at yeah, least anyway. Definitely. And was it a, a decision of, okay, I'm going to quit, quit being a real estate agent and start the business or did you kind of phase out and phase in? Um, yeah, I kind of, I think... It kind of got a point to me. It was a, yeah, it got to a point for me where I was just, I wanted to work for myself. It was, it wasn't, yeah, I wasn't in any sort of, it wasn't like a decision that I was like, okay, I'm just done. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to go and do it. I was like, I'm done with work. I'm <laughs> done working for someone else. What can I do? And it was, it was, just, it was, yeah, it was there. It was presenting itself, but it was, I just needed to run with it. So, yeah, there were times, obviously, in the first six months, I was just like, oh, <laughs> maybe I should be going back to real estate. But, um, yeah. it, you know, we, we slugged it through and we pushed through and it was okay. It worked and, out. And people were, like, obviously, the opportunity, you said you saw it from the rent roll that you were working as a real estate agent. You saw the, ho- the holiday rent roll. Yeah. And what could be done there. You said you saw the opportunity. And then you said people were approaching you in the area. Obviously, you, you guys were getting a bit of a following on, on Instagram and stuff. And yeah. So um, people coming to you and asking you how how you were doing it? Yeah, so I suppose, look, there was a number of few, I suppose, ways that we marketed it so that we could try and attract the right clientele. So it wasn't necessarily just trying to get any property on the books. Um, 
So people were reaching out, but we still might have not felt that it was a good fit for us. Um, so it, it kind of more just came from, to, believe it or not, it was quite generic. It actually just kind of rolled on. And like, we did have that also that sort of social media. It's not that we have a, a huge following on it, but around Cabot Cottage. And then, so we kind of used that as a channel yeah. and, and people locally were following that. They, I think, triggered an idea going, oh, hang on, here's someone who might be able to help us maybe generate a bit of income on ours. So that, that helped for us. Um, getting our clientele. And did you have a, oh, it sounds like you did in terms of the properties you were looking for. That was obviously a decision you made rather than just bringing on anyone and everyone. Yeah. And obviously looking at the portfolio you've got now, there's, it, it's a certain type of clientele, as you said, a certain type of property. It's the bit of the higher end, the boutique Yeah. Properties. Look, I mean, we, we've tried, I suppose, we've also found and it's, and it's kind of changed slightly, I suppose, over the, over the, you know, the two years that we've been doing it because we've, there's a property for everyone. Um, so it's not necessarily that we only boutique, I suppose. It's more our, yes, we do have high-end property, absolutely. Um, but it's more of the management around any particular property. Any particular property, I feel, can be boutique if you do it, do it the right way. So it's not necessarily that you have to have a million-dollar home to be a boutique property. It's just more the fundamentals and what you get right within your property that you have. Like, I mean, our place at Cabba is, you can't swing a cat in it. It's tiny, but it's just, it's just the smaller things that we've been able to incorporate into it that people would then consider it a boutique property. And that's just, you know, your furnishings, your higher end linen, um, just little things like that, that, you know, make it more comfortable for your guests, I guess. And where do, where do you think that, and this might be Eden, I'm not sure, but that kind of that eye for detail and the the decorative side of things come from? Was that? Um, yeah, look, I, I, I can't take credit. You can't take credit. That's, <laughs> uh, that's definitely Edo. She's, she's got an incredible eye for it. And um, I think it's just something that's really come naturally to her. And I probably, I, I would think like, in all honesty, if she wanted to give up teaching, it's something that she could, really channel into and um people yeah. ask ask her all the time for it um my clients included so it's kind of a service we offer that we don't charge for but eden will come and actually and and, and style up a place for photos and stuff like that so it's definitely it's definitely yeah it's 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 a gift i suppose i can't, yeah. I can't do it man it's 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 a tough one but um she's definitely got a very good eye for it so it makes for it sure. easier in that that first six months, you said there was obviously some ups and downs. What were yeah? What were some of those biggest kind of challenges or roadblocks? For for me, it was I suppose just sitting around and actually not knowing what to do a lot of the time. Like I, I'd come out of real estate where I was flat out pretty much six days a week, and I literally had the one day to myself to start saying I've started this business, work on the website for two hours or whatever. It is going to do a letterbox drop for another hour. And then by lunchtime, I was kind of done. And I was like, well, you know, you know, how, what do you do next? <laughs> what, what's the next sort of step? Because it, there's no like handbook for it. You know, it's, it's well, kind of especially, especially something like this, as, as we were saying, yeah. like Airbnb didn't exist. Like this, yeah, this, this, this wasn't a job. This isn't a job. Like it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was frustrating on that side because I was like, why is, you know, I suppose I was lucky that we had my our own place, but and that that kind of kept me busy because I wasn't employing cleaners or or anyone at that time. I was just literally going in and I was doing the cleans myself. And then I got a lucky break, like someone found out and they asked us, you know, can I help them? I was like, yes, absolutely. So then I kind of once that momentum started like coming, it, it became easier. But I kept myself even what you know when we had three properties on the books, it was still fairly quiet like you know it, i still needed to occupy time so that was the biggest i found for myself and then you all kinds of things start racing through your head when you got time man it's yeah. it's horrible <laughs> so i try to keep myself busy i guess that was the that was probably the biggest thing um, yeah. but like i said i did that without employing anyone i was just literally just doing everything myself i suppose that's that's an, another interesting point to look at it that you the fact that you were doing you're taking the book into your cleaning i assume like changing the sheet yeah 
I was and doing the, the linen, everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. And the much. fact that you had Kappa Cottage for, for two years prior, you saw, yeah. you saw the ups, like saw what was involved, saw like the customer service side, you styled the property, like everything. So you had, yeah. you knew it back to front, I assume like everything. Yeah. That's look, I, I honestly do. I can say that now. I reckon it's probably been the best thing that I had done probably establishing the businesses, knowing the business from the ground up. And I suppose any business owner does because at some point they got to start, like it would be the same across the board, but that was the best thing for me because now that if I've got, got, got employees and like doing those things, it, it makes it easier for me to, to, to go and check those things. And, and the same thing as, you know, like, an employee that's worked their way up really nicely with me. She same thing kind of started at the same level where she was cleaning all the properties, doing the linen, and now she's managing stuff. So it, it's, it's a very fundamental thing for me that like anyone that needs to start learn the bottom and you work yeah. your way up and it, and it just makes it that much easier for sure. You started off with just Cabba cottage and then obviously doing your doing um, the beach flat as well on the weekends. Yeah. And then has it just literally been one, one property at a time? It's, Look, I mean, I think word got out, especially in our area around Cabarita Beach, Kingscliff, Pottsville, Casarina. Um, it didn't take long to, for people to find out what, what people could be generating, um, especially through that Christmas period. But it's, no, not really. It kind of, once, once we got one or two, it, it, it really started flowing and the business really started moving quite quickly. In saying that, like, yeah, the business was moving quickly, but it still takes, like, every time I set up a potentially an Airbnb property, um, it's like starting a new business all over again, really. Like, that property needs to get its reviews, needs to start getting the people through it. it, it so it kind of all takes a bit of time. So we were getting all these listings coming on, and but it still takes, like, a two-month window before those properties really start getting busy. So that's that was also another sort of tricky bit. So like, yeah, we were, I was busy and I was working hard at that point, but I still wasn't really seeing any income on it. It was only really after the first, maybe, yeah, that it, like, it, we saw the, the real potential on what it, what it could be doing. And was it people that were renting their place on holiday rentals or through, like you, as you said, the previous real estate agent you're working for, like, Doing something like that, or these people that were brand new to it never rented the house ever. Um, it, it was a it was a mixed bag. Um, there were a few that came from other agencies, I guess, that were maybe looking just for sort of a more hands on kind of management uh, style. Um, and then there were a few that were maybe had just purchased. You know, we obviously saw that massive influx of. Sydney and Melbourne buyers that we're, we're starting to purchase up this way, you know, they weren't going to be, they want to use it as a holiday rental for themselves, but they don't want to put it obviously a full-time tenant in. So they can't, they want to use it in those in December periods, whenever it was. So when that sort of influx came, that's when I kind of reached out and I started getting quite a lot of um, referral based business from local real estate agents that don't have a portfolio that, that don't, that aren't interested really in looking and doing what I do. Yeah. And um, so I got a nice referral basis from that. And then that kind of also just like rolled on and, and sort of just kicked it up a bit too. So it was good. How does it, how does it work from, from your side? How do you explain it to people exactly what you do for those, those types of clients or for your clients? Look, I mean, it's, it's pretty much like we try and not overcomplicate it. Like my, my idea is behind the whole business is that it would be, you know, every property, every owner is going to have different wants, different needs, it's a different situation. So we got to try as a business rather be flexible um, to to accommodate them. And look, I mean, it's in, in fairness, like we're not always going to be the best match for 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 someone. And that's okay. And I've, I've come to terms with that. So, you know, from the perspective of what we tell them and what we do for them is, you know, like I, I think it's the, the biggest thing for us is what we do is that it's, we look after their property as it's as it's ours. You know, we want them to feel confident that it is looked after extremely well. If there isn't any bookings in there for you know a week or two weeks, we still go into the property and we, we're making sure that you know it's nothing's going on, it's not burning down or you know whatever yeah. it is. You know, but we yeah. So that's our I suppose our point of difference and on how we like to do it. And obviously, as you said, with the rental role, that's completely different to to just 
having 300, 500 listings on a yeah, role. Yeah, look, I mean, you could easily, like, well, I suppose not say easy, but we don't really want to be that big. Um, it's not it's not really what we are. Um, you don't want to lose, and it's also like, I mean, we get, we get requests to sort of go up sort of the Gold Coast way and that, but you just tend to lose touch with the property, I feel. And um, it's rather, I'd rather just stay locally to, to the business where I can get to it or my manager can get to it, you know, within a quick time frame. And, you know, you don't want to lose that. It's, I, I, I say it's quality control. And yeah. that's, that's what I, I don't want to lose control of at all. Like yeah. you, you want to make sure that that property is bang right every single time. What's been other, some of the other like big lessons you've learned? One, starting the business and then obviously working for yourself for the the very first time jeez look i think like working for yourself as you or no man it's pretty stressful um it's it's pretty tough yeah there's there's some pretty massive ups and downs and peaks and troughs and but i think like if you can for me probably the biggest my biggest lesson out of working for myself is knowing my value um and making sure that yeah, you don't sell yourself short, man. Like your time is is money and like, or not not money, but it's valuable, you know? Yeah. And like, so so know your value and and don't let anyone else tell you different. And that's kind of something that I've learned and have it to become a little bit, little bit harder with um, clients and that is, you know, we're not going to give our service away, you know, as much as we want to help you, we, you know, we are, we are a business and we do a good job. So we, we kind of, you know, it's just, yeah. We know your value, man, for sure. But I think that's a that's a really big one. It's something that I see, and yeah, obviously something I struggle with as well is because I've been doing what I've been doing for for so long. I like for me, it's it'll take five minutes to find the answer, whereas for someone else, it'll take them two hours. So yeah, uh, I see it with on the on the creative side a lot. So I deal with a lot of creative clients, and they just all it's it's just a drawing. Like it, it might take me two minutes to mock up a logo, and they don't put a value on it. Whereas for someone else, their client coming in, it's like they would have taken two weeks to design that or think about that or worry about that. Yeah, exactly. When you know something, and and as you said, like your value, you've been doing Airbnb for like four years, five years, however long it's been. Yeah. Exactly. So it'd be easy to be like, oh, cool, just do this. It's easy for you, but yeah, it's hard. It, it is a hard one to try and yeah put value it is. on that. It is because a lot of people will say that and they'll probably go like, you know, it only took you two minutes. How can you justify charging me what that is? But yeah, yeah. I, I'm able to do that because it's, I've been doing it for five years and that's that's the difference, man. It's, so like, it's, it's, take, it's taken me five, five years to do it in two minutes. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I dropped out. There you go. There you, yeah, it is, man. That, that's it. Like, so it was a big learning curve for me. And uh, it, I, and it's kind of got to a point now where it is, like where I know my value. And if someone isn't going to appreciate that, maybe we're not the best fit. And how about the on the financial side of, of the business? Has that been a pretty steep learning curve of getting your head around that? Yeah, man, definitely. Look, it's still still learning. It, it's it, it, It's... For me, it's an ongoing thing. I've always wanted to try and make it better and do better with it. So it's it's definitely something that's like an ongoing, um, I wouldn't say struggle, but you can make it easier for yourself, I guess, by, <laughs> by reaching out. And, and, and it's exactly, look, it's exactly like I look at it, my clientele. My clientele come to me because uh, they trust that I know what I'm doing. It's, that's how I look at it from the financial side. I'd yeah. rather outsource it. At least I know that it's going to be done properly. And like I've, I have reached out and I've done a lot of research and work around it and that. So yeah, no, look, it's it's kind of always a bit of a, a ongoing sort of struggle, I suppose, from my side, but definitely a big learning curve. Yeah, I see it with obviously clients all the time. And I always say to people, there's no, like there's no test or no, requirements to start start a business you go online you register for asic you get an abn and you can yep. start, you start invoicing client the next day yeah and it just seems crazy because all these like you, it's so easy to start but then it's not till like 12 months later where you do your first tax return that oh. all, all these problems start to come up and the australian system's so complex it's I mean, <laughs> look i mean i i took we look we did it we learned a pretty steep hard lesson on the first year like there's no two ways about it like especially Look, I mean, one of our biggest problems are we, we wanting to obviously keep growing our personal portfolio, but then first tax return comes in, man. Like all of a sudden banks aren't looking at me anymore. They don't want anything to do with me because I'm a startup business. And 
I thought I was smart writing everything off to tax, but <laughs> it didn't really work out that well for me. So we've had yeah. to delay another year. So like that, that was probably the biggest, one of the hardest lessons we've learned because now the market's gone up that much too. So you're like, oh, bloody hell, you know? But yeah, it, it's the financial side for me is, yeah, rather get someone who can definitely help. It, it makes things a lot easier for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's another level of complexity that gets added when you when you're self-employed, especially if it's definitely like in your case, it's it's you and then Eden's working. But when there's two people self-employed, yeah, as you said, trying to get finance to, to buy property, yeah, um, all those things just become that so much harder because yeah, the banks just have a few more oh, rules. Yeah, and, and man, it, it uh, to me it doesn't even really stop there. Like it kind of even transitioning now into where the business is kind of going, it's having employees and like all that kind of stuff, like super paying their tax like it's 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 i i reckon and i don't know i could be wrong like we've i've avoided doing it just purely because i don't know it and i don't understand it so it's it's like like that it you know it takes time so it's complicated and and so it just does it yeah man it's way easier to just rather outsource what you don't know that's obviously another thing of being the business owner is wearing those multiple hats like you said previously you're doing it all yourself and then you transition to where yeah you get to a point you can maybe hire, start hiring other people, but then you just, then you have to manage those people. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, and then it's, yeah. So then there's like a whole nother, yeah, it's like another whole level to it. So it's, mate, that's, that's only your own business. I think though, like that, there's peaks and troughs and those really tough times. And it's always not, sounds nice. Like, oh, what you know, went for a surf at 10. Yeah. But on a Wednesday, but man, I was up all Sunday, you know, slugging it out too. So it's, yeah, there's, it has its perks, but there's definitely, you know, it, it's something you have to think hard about before you dive into it for sure. Well, that was, that was going to be my next question is that the, the work-life balance, have you, have you hit the nail on the head there or is it still a working, work no, in progress? Yeah. It's, look, I mean, it's always going to be a kind of work in progress, I feel, but like, I think from myself and Eden's perspective, we kind of people that are always going to want to be busy and we're going to want to have something to do, but yeah, look, without, without a doubt, like that work-life balance I would say in the last six months, we've started to really get it, get it working quite nicely. But that's that has come by the business having to grow to a certain point before it can, you know, whereas I couldn't have done that a year ago at all because I had to be on the ground all the time. Whereas now, you know, it's growing slightly enough that we, you know, we can again outsource a little bit of it. So that gives me a bit more free time. So how many, how many properties have you guys look after at the moment? Um, we'd be on 25 now, but it's going pretty quickly. Um, yeah. the last probably we've, we've seen a pretty big boom in the last six months where we've, we've taken on quite a bit, but again, we've also, we probably could have been at a slightly higher number, but I, we, we kind of just took it down a notch to me, the business, it's good. It's all well and good that the business grows, but it's got to grow in, at the right speed at the right time. And, and you, you know, I could probably have 30 odd properties under the belt, but if, if I don't have the, the capability to keep them and service them as well as we would be with just the 20 or 25. So yeah, yeah, it's growing the business at the right. That's for me anyway. Like it's, yeah, I'd rather just grow it steadily um, and keep up that, that standard. Well, I think that's, that's one of the benefits of coming from the background of real estate and seeing what it looks like on the other side. So seeing the rent roll of 300 properties and yeah. what not to do. So yeah, great, yeah. have 300 properties. That's fantastic. I'm sure yeah. that's a lot of money seeing the downside of that. So it's that's probably a good thing to see. It is. Look, I, did, I think there's going to be a tipping point for, for it, in any business really, I guess. But for me, like if, if as soon as we go from, let's say from like 20 to 50 properties, all of a sudden we're going to be looking at are we going to be really generating as the same amount of income or a little bit more for maybe having nine staff on board, you know? So it's all yeah. those little things that I, I think about. Like, so there's, I think there's a balancing act where you've got to find that quality of life and, you know, that work-life balance for sure. I think it's, it's just been intentional. Like of, yeah, you, you, you could grow, you could have, as you yeah. said, could have nine staff, 20 staff, whatever. That's fantastic. You could, but doesn't yeah. mean you should. It's exactly right. Like it's, and I think it's also nowadays with, and look, I mean, I don't know, this is just me. This is how I think anyway. It's that perception that people want to have that they are successful, yeah. but 
and that and people will go oh how many staff do you have oh i have 10 working for me oh that you you must be doing really well but mate you don't you, you've what you got how much in salary that you got to cover every week and that's yeah. to me that's what like that's what's so i like about my business i don't have an overhead like when when um covid hits but I don't have an overhead. I'm not paying anyone. I had subcontract all the rest of it. So yeah. I just had to make sure my mortgages were covered. That's pretty much it. And obviously it doesn't help the owners either. But from that perspective, if I had overheads, I probably would have folded, I reckon, business yeah. in COVID, 100%. It's something that I've seen more and more. And your business is the prime example of having minimal expenses. So the traditional business, and obviously this is what Airbnb and Uber and everything's kind of brought to the forefront of that traditional business of having a warehouse or having uh, office space or having frontage, whatever it is, having multiple staff, big overheads, yeah. big expenses with a lot of, I said a lot of risk that a lot of people, obviously Australia has been less affected in COVID yeah. than others, but still there's that stress that comes with having those big overheads. Whereas yeah, you take businesses like yours where yeah, you don't have rent, you said you don't have staff, you don't have a warehouse, you don't have stock that you need to withhold. All these these internet-based businesses, these e-com businesses that are just kind of changing it completely. Oh, they're changing the yeah, they're changing everything. And I think it's very good. Like, I mean, we've had opportunity to potentially look at growing and expanding sort of into other fields within the industry, I guess. But I suppose it's also leaving a comfort zone of knowing that what we're doing is working, but then taking that risk and like maybe do we get a space? But then it's like, you know, it, it just, it, for me, it's just, you've got to weigh that up before I dive into it. And it's not necessarily always all about money, but you want to have that comfort of, I suppose that life balance for me is, is a big part for sure. Yeah. What have you guys done to kind of make it a little bit different? Like looking on your website, you've got, obviously there's the property management, but then all those other services that you, that you do. I'm not sure if, if you have, your competitors do that in terms of the social yeah. media side and the linen and yes equipment um but yeah so i mean i suppose it's a point of difference for us is that we just try and do something slightly different what well, look i'm not really too concerned i don't really dive into my competitors and what they're doing um i like to just make sure what we do is on point and like we're we hitting we're hitting the mark and it's and it's all changed like when we we've added services we've taken services away this has worked, that hasn't worked, which that's something I've liked about the business. You can just try things, man. And like, if it doesn't yeah. work, it doesn't work. Um, nothing's ever really set in stone on it. So we, we, we try things, if things work, yeah, brilliant. We offer services, we generally put it out like, and we don't really charge or anything like that for that, but we like reaching out to sort of local community businesses too that, that, that are within our, um, you know, sort of holiday bubble i suppose whatever it is you know like makeup artists caterers all that kind of stuff and just advertise them on our website i see that as beneficial for us you know the more information we can give our clients and our guests the better off their stay is going to be for us anyway i guess the the final thing i wanted to, to touch on was for from from your experience the advice for anyone wanting to to rent a property on airbnb whether it's they just want to do it themselves or or use someone like you yeah. what are the where obviously there's a lot of benefits, but some of the, the downsides that, that come with doing that of renting your own your own property? Um, look, I mean, I suppose if, if, if you're talking about, let's, so I suppose there's two different types of properties that you get is you get your own occupying property where, where owners still live in it, but they want to vacate for the weekend and, and then rent it out for the weekend or there's, you know, that full-time rental. Um, obviously the latter being a full-time rental is a lot easier. Yeah. The benefit, I suppose, on having us like i mean it it is obviously if you're interstate or you're in melbourne it's a kind of a no-brainer to have that person on the ground and making sure that it is good um and everything's running smoothly and yeah i just think that's obviously the biggest biggest part of what we do um is just adding a bit of a comfort level to people that are interstate um for the second if you live in the property and you wanted to do it look it's great it can generate some fantastic income it does though however it is tricky especially from our side of it for managing those types of properties because owners will pretty much only want to leave on the Friday yeah. and they want to get back on the Sunday. So that means, you know, we have to get our cleaners in Friday, get them in Sunday again. And, you know, so it kind of, there needs to be a lot more flexibility with those types of properties and those owners. Um, but it can work, but it just, it probably, 
it's not as smooth and as easy flying as if it was just a full-time sort of thing. Is there any like common myths or the common questions that people ask about ask you about Airbnb of what they can and can't do? Or um, look, I mean, it's 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 it, it's a lot harder than it looks. That would okay. probably be the biggest myth. Um, I would say it does it does cost money too. You know, it's not something that if you want to continually be good, like I look at our properties as a business. So those those properties need to maintain a standard throughout the year, year in year out, really. So there's, it's not just easy money coming in. You need to maintain your property. You need to change your linen every, you know, every six months or so, depending on how busy you've been. So there's still, there's still expenses that are, that are incorporated around it. And if you, if the owner is willing to just stay on top of those maintenance issues and, and cleaning your carpets every now and again, then I reckon the sky's kind of the limit, but it's, you do see those properties that they don't maintain it. And it kind of sags off and it gets looking a little bit tired for lack of a better word. And then you'll just start seeing your numbers and your reviews and everything else just starts fizzling away. I think, I think that's a really good point that thinking of it like a business rather than just thinking of an easy. hundred percent. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is a business. Um, and I think that's where it's changing it, where it used to be probably back in the day, you could own a holiday rental in one of these coastal towns and it was just a little bit of extra income for a place that you're wanting to use. But now it's the other way around. It's like my owners, it's generating a good enough income. They ask if it's okay that they come and use their <laughs> own place. It's like, yeah, it's yours. You do what you want, but yeah, like otherwise they would rather have the money, you know? So that it is that frame of mind of, of, of being a business for sure. So besides a few of those things you just mentioned of like cleaning the carpets, changing the linen, is there any kind of major like wow factors that, that you, when you, when you go and first go into a property, you say, right, this is the first things we're going to do. Like these are non-negotiables that you must. Yeah. Um, my biggest, probably biggest, biggest one. And I could not stress this enough is cleanliness. Cleanliness is, you know, key. Um, that's our, probably our biggest point of difference. You can put a $300 gift basket on arrival for, for someone, but if it's dirty, they, they will ignore that. So cleanliness is, is key. 100%. That would be the biggest thing um, for us. That's what we spend most of our time on. And then just the rest of it's actually just keep it very simple, keeping it basic. Don't, don't try and overdo it. Just yeah. really keep it simple, minimalistic. You know, but again, that's, I suppose everyone has slightly different taste and in, in, in what they want to do. But for us, it's very, you know, you'll look at most of our places. It's all pretty much just white and a bit of pop of that and green, you know, pot plant or whatever it is. But yeah, just keep it very minimalistic from our side. I think it works really well. And your photography is a massive key thing too, man. You gotta you gotta get a good photographer in for sure. Yeah, that was that was gonna be that was the one I first thought of was that photography of what 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 makes someone stop scrolling when they when they're going through Airbnb. Exactly. It's it's photos. You you yeah, hundred percent. Hit the nail on the head. Like um I always I always try and find a property. I like I like properties with a slight points of difference. Just anything, whatever it may be. It's whether it's small, you know, ocean views or and and you've seen a lot of it now. Probably Tasmania is the forefront for it. Is um and people are getting very clever with what they're converting into little Airbnbs. It's yeah. it's 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 becoming it's awesome. Like we saw someone's created like a little floating sauna somewhere down in Tassie. It's unreal. It's unreal what people are doing. It's it's so people are so clever. It's awesome what's the one you've got at the moment is it the hanger yeah yeah the hanger yeah that's um it's so clever how um Lauren has done that she's she's converted i think it was a garage originally and they're close to the airport and they kind of just what she's done and how she styled it and yeah she she's done a really great job she's she's awesome she's done a fantastic little thing and that place is you know it's that's another good little little way to look at it is, you know, it's on site too. So she, she lives there on the back of it. So it's, it's great. It's generates some income. It pays your mortgage. Yeah. Why not? Uh, any other, any other tips for, for people that if they're wanting to, to list their place or get started on Airbnb that you would, you would suggest? Um, don't rush it. Don't, and don't panic if, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people will list their space and, you know, it's becoming a very competitive competitive markets there's a lot of people that are doing it so don't panic if 
if it takes a couple of weeks, you know, to get a booking or anything like that. Um, but also just do your research locally in your area and make sure that you understand um, sort of pricing. Don't underprice it. Don't, you know, don't, don't over, don't underprice your, your property um, would be a big one, I guess. Um, because potentially, look, you can always lower your rate. You don't want to get someone in at, at a cheap rate. It's um, that, yeah, but just don't panic. Take your time. Don't stress. It, it will come. It will come. Um, but yeah. And what have you seen over the last, what's it been now? It's almost almost bang on 12 months with, with when COVID started, but have, it, yeah. have you seen it affect it? affect it much um only when it's to be honest i think we were fairly lucky we kind of maybe dodged a bullet a little bit but it was only the initial when when that first initial covid you know thing happened where everyone was like mad rushing to get all the toilet paper and all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff you know everyone was like canceling bookings and they just did no one knew no one knew anything what was really going to be happening and um and you see that's another little thing like i mean these are the points of difference that i like about airbnb because people lost so much money as hosts over that they actually offered a contribution to hosts so you actually still recouped some of the money that we lost so it was actually yeah, right. really, yeah so that's a nice little point that's another thing like they it's a very very nice community um with an airbnb so my thumbs up to them that was great and on, on top of that, do you, do you get much, like, much support from them in terms of? Like- um, yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, I suppose it's like any one of those sort of bigger companies. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I can't fault them. Hey, they haven't, they haven't missed a beat. Um, we lucky enough that touch wood, we haven't had anything really major go wrong. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a good community, even if you have any questions or anything like that, you could just, there's forums and, you know, that hosting community on Airbnb and you can pretty much find any question, any answer you want, you know, just through those forums. And, but yeah, to get in, look, obviously through COVID, they were a little bit harder because everyone was just trying to get in touch with them and recouping money and all the rest of it. But generally they'll get back to you within the day. If you have any issues, that's good. And I guess the final, final points, some of the benefits maybe other other than what we've mentioned already, but some of the benefits of using your your services as, as the business as opposed to people trying to do it themselves look i suppose it's it's like anything i look i don't i don't want to say that we're amazing or anything like that but like i mean you're we, allowed you're allowed to it's okay it's <laughs> <laughs> your, your look, chance to say that <laughs> give it a bit of a give it a bit of a nudge yeah um look mate it's i think for us the biggest the biggest benefit of using us is just knowing that your property is going to be in safe hands and that we don't just, we, we all about quality, not quantity. And that's a big thing that we push down our own, like tell our owners is that we don't just take anyone in your property because they are, you know, you get, you do get those bad guests, I guess, essentially that people will have their bucks parties or whatever it is. And that's, that's where we, we really have a screening, a thorough screening process for our, for our guests and that we make sure that we're getting the right person in the door. Um, because it is essentially like, I mean, it's probably your biggest investment that people will ever own. So it, yeah. you need to make sure that you look after it properly. And that's where I think we do, within reason, we do as much as we can to eliminate as much of those risks um, to make sure that your property is looked after as, as well as it can be. I think that was when, when we were first chatting about this, I think that was a, a really interesting point of difference you were saying that you'd go around to the properties and like take the bins out of if it's like an interstate, yeah. like something so simple, but you don't think yeah. about that. If like, if, okay, if you didn't rent that property, if that wasn't rented for two weeks, who takes the bins out? And exactly. I think you said it from one, obviously taking the bins out if there's rubbish, but two, making sure that people know that someone's there. It's not someone's just a, va- a vacant property. I think that's a really 100%. big one. Yeah. It's a hundred percent, man. That's a, it's a big thing. Like it, it doesn't take long for people to realize that your property is potentially going to be holiday rented, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's just making sure that there's a familiar face always around. Like, I mean, minimum would be at a property once a week, minimum, bare minimum. So, um, you know, those are just, I suppose, and it might not, it might not be me. That's me potentially being there once a week, whereas my manager will probably be there once a week too, as, as well as the cleaner potentially once a week. So there's three visits within a week anyway, at your property without yeah. having a booking. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just looking after it and doing, doing as good a job as we can, you know, make sure that it's looked after well. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks heaps for, for taking time to be on the podcast. No I hope you enjoyed that interview. As you would have heard, Craig only scratched the surface um, throughout this interview when it comes to things you need to know about running your own successful Airbnb property. So if you have any questions at all for Craig or myself, be sure to message them through on Instagram and I might do a follow-up interview or maybe a Q&A um, with Craig on Instagram or something like that just to answer some of the other questions because it's something that I know a lot of people have questions about and it's something that I have conversations with my clients about all the time of wanting to start their own Airbnb or how could they potentially earn some extra money on the side and as you heard from Craig's story it's such a such an awesome opportunity that we have to yeah maybe increase that income and maybe put that money towards saving for renovations or as Craig and Eden did purchasing their second property while you're there on Instagram be sure to check out how's it management Instagram page and for anyone that and for anyone that's looking for an awesome place to stay on the north coast of New South Wales be sure to check out Cabot Cottage if not to rent out definitely just for some inspiration it's such a cool place they have there and what they've done styling wise is incredible so thanks again for listening to today's episode and be sure to check in next week for another episode of the more than money podcast if you've enjoyed this episode of more than money make sure that you subscribe to keep up to date with all of the latest episodes and feel free to like comment and share with a friend